welcome to the Preston Minster podcast. We want you to find your home, find your purpose and transform your city. Well, good morning. It's great to be with you guys. As Tim has said, my name's Sam and I'm the vicar of Preston Minster. It's such a privilege uh, to be speaking to you today on obviously what is such a significant day for Scott and Debs and little Millicent, uh, but also to just to all of you lovely people who have come to church um, today. It was in a baptism service that I first felt the Lord calling me to to himself. I was 15 years old. I didn't grow up going to church at all. Uh, And I went to church uh, for a baptism of, you know, christening. Baby was getting getting done, as, you know, we used to say. And... um, uh, I was there, and there was something about the service, it wasn't anything like this, it was super, super traditional, but there was something about the words, scripture readings, that intrigued me, I was 15, it wasn't until a few years later that I actually walked into a different church and encountered the person of Jesus Christ for myself, uh, but something happened in the baptism service, I don't know what it is, so I'm just praying for everybody uh, who's gathered here this morning. You may have walked in and thought, what the heck is going on here? This isn't what church is supposed to be like. And some of you are thinking, where's the organ? Bring back the organ. Those were the days. Uh, And some of you are, I don't know, something's just sparked in you. Like perhaps it sparked in me all those years ago. Um, So we get the privilege of just looking at a passage of scripture this morning. And I'd love just to pause for a moment just to pray. This is, it's not just entertainment, it's a spiritual thing. So I just want to pray and just pray that God would use this message to impact your life. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. And we just pray as we look to it now that you would speak to each of our hearts, wherever we are with you, would you speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is the talky bit. I don't know how you feel about that. This is the bit where someone gets up, stand on a stage say some words, you know, and you guys sit there and some of you might be like checking out, thinking, I don't know, what am I going to do after this? What am I doing this week? What's coming up? It's a talky bit. It's the bit where we talk. I don't know how you feel about that. I don't know what your experience of talks in church is at all. And uh, along, uh, not too long ago, people really predicted the death of the sermon. They were like, surely, surely the sermon, its days are numbered. People's attention spans, as we know, are incredibly short, aren't they? I mean, people watch TikTok now, videos are like 15 seconds. That's what we're competing with. So people naturally are thinking, this idea of somebody standing on stage and giving like a a sort of monologue, a discourse uh, from, from me to you, surely the days are numbered. But it's interesting, isn't it? People are still really intrigued by people speaking. We still watch stand-up comedians. I'm definitely not a stand-up comedian. Sorry, guys. But we still, people, <laughs> but people still love stand-up comedians. And people watch long YouTube lectures and things like that. There's something about, as well, gathering physically in this building. I'm sure there's lots of people watching online today, and it's great to have you guys with us praying this message really blesses your hearts. And there's something special about being in the, in the room because you can feel the emotion of what's going on. It's, it's, it's something we can't quite articulate, but it's really, really powerful. And what we see in the passage today is that the world was changed through 
people in the early church speaking in this sort of way. Somebody standing up, obviously no microphone, long time ago, you know, no technology, but people standing up and giving talks to other people. That is effectively how the church spread. So I just want to remind us of what we're doing this morning. My job is effectively to sort of open the Bible and to allow it to speak. It's really for me to kind of get out of the way and allow the Bible to speak to every single one of you here this morning. And we do that by looking at a passage of Scripture. And in passages of Scripture, the author always has an intention in what they're writing. Like when you write a text message or an email, you have an intention of what you are trying to communicate when you write that email or that text. When my wife goes out with some friends and she might be going out for some food, I'll text her, I'll say, Hannah, bring back food. The message has an intention, people. I really want to get you know, some food or something like that. When I write an email to like a relative, I will write it and I will update them on what's happening. I'm trying to communicate that we're okay, things are going well, perhaps there are some challenges, but we're all right. When there are things written down, there's always an intention behind the passage, and it's exactly the same with the Bible. It's not some kind of mysterious book that has these very complicated meanings. Literally, what we're about to read is a letter from a guy called Luke, who wrote to his friend Theophilus. Everybody say Theophilus. Well done. Your Greek pronunciation of names is impeccable, people of Preston. Um, and he had an intention. He was writing to his friend Theophilus. Luke was a doctor, and he was writing just to explain how the early church spread. And what we see in this passage is a phenomenal thing. We see this, the church just growing exponentially through Paul and Barnabas speaking, standing up and addressing crowds and them coming to faith in Jesus Christ. The series that we've been working through over the last few weeks has been called How to Change the World. How to Change the World. And that is what we see as we look at this passage because Paul and Barnabas, they were early church heroes. And as they spoke, people came to follow Jesus. And the world was drastically changed. In many ways, we are here today in 21st century Preston because Paul and Barnabas and others got on with telling other people about Jesus, who passed it on, who passed it on, and who passed it on, and here we are. But we see them turning the world upside down, changing the world. And it sounds audacious, it sounds ridiculous that you and I could change the world because you and I know what we're like. We know that life is difficult, we know that we've got challenges, we know we've got weaknesses. And it might sound ridiculous to think that people like you and I could do something that changes the world. But what we read in this passage is two ordinary people who felt exactly the same as you and I. And they were used by God to spread the message of the gospel and in effect to change the world. So let's read the passage now. It's from Acts chapter 14. If you've got your Bible on your phone, you can flick it open or it'll appear on the screen here. Um, but let me read this passage and then we'll just dig into it a little bit more. So it says this, at Iconium, that's uh, in modern day Turkey, like southern Turkey, so imagine you know, that sort of scene, got your suntan lotion on, on the beach and that kind of stuff. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual 
into the Jewish synagogue. There, they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some of them sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among both Jews, Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding cities. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Here's the idea. Here's the big idea today. If you want to change the world, speak effectively and speak boldly for Jesus. But, well, we'll get to the but later on. Verse 1. At Iconium, southern, southern Turkey, Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, to the Jewish synagogue. Verse 1. Here's the thir- first thing I noticed. Here is lesson number one if you want to change the world. And it's based in that phrase there, as usual. What we see is Paul and Barnabas doing the same thing over and over again. And we've noticed this as we've tracked with them throughout the ancient world. They go to the synagogue each and every Saturday in every new place they go to. The first thing they do, as usual, is go to the Jewish synagogue. And they talk and they reason. And the reason why that's important is because persistence is one of the first things we need to have if we want to change the world. What we see in extraordinary leaders are very simple disciplines being practiced over and over again over time, persistently and consistently. We see them. I think it is one of our biggest weapons. If we want to live a life that makes an impact, makes, uh, or see a breakthrough, or see extraordinary things happen through our lives, we want to live consistently. We see that in people who changed the world. We see them living consistently. To use a a basic example, we see that in athletes. If you're to watch somebody like on the Olympics or on the football field, that person has spent an insubordinate amount of time practicing and doing the same boring things actually over and over and over and over again, consistently and persistently, persevering day in, day out. One of my heroes is a guy called John Wesley. He is famed for kind of beginning the Methodist movement. And uh, he lived in a time when the Bible wasn't taken super seriously in uh, our land. And he went around many, many churches around the country talking to them about the message of Jesus, reminding them that Jesus came to die for our sins, that we could have a relationship with him. And he lived as as somebody who personified persistence and consistency. Let me read you a little extract from his diary. It's fascinating. This is taken from his diary. So it's an abbreviation, obviously. I'm sure his diary was much more exciting than this. But let me just summarize some of the days in the life of John Wesley. Sunday morning, May the 5th, preached at St. Anne's, was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday afternoon, May the 5th, preached at St. John's, deacon said, get out and stay out. 
Sunday morning, following week, May the 12th, preached at St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. That same afternoon, Sunday afternoon, also following week, Sunday morning, May the 19th, preached in another church. Deacons called special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday afternoon, May the 19th, preached on street, kicked off street. Sunday afternoon, May the 26th, preached in meadow, chased out of meadow as bull was turned loose during service. Sunday afternoon, June the 2nd, preached out on the edge of, edge of town, kicked off the highway. Sunday afternoon, June the 2nd, preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came to hear me. Nobody ever achieved anything persistently watching Netflix or consistently strolling Instagram. But when we persistently persistently speak boldly, speak effectively for Jesus, we will see lives change. Tony Robbins, it's a bit of a guilty pleasure of mine. Has any ever, ever sort of heard of Tony Robbins? He's got a great documentary on Netflix. It's a bit like, he's a good guy. Language is a bit sour, so I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying I've seen it. But he said, it's not what we do once in a while that shapes our lives. It's what we do consistently. And I think he's right. It's what I see in this passage. There's a lot in that phrase, as usual, isn't there? It means over and over again, they're doing the same thing. But you and I know, and I feel this, because I want my life to make a difference. I want to live in a way that is consistent to my faith in Jesus Christ. I want to see my words used to bless people and to build people up. But it's so hard because we feel the weight of daily life. We feel the pull to speak words that are untrue in order to get ahead. We, speak, we feel the pull to speak words that are not kind in order that we can kind of be in with the in crowd. We feel the pull of the thoughts that go around in our minds and the actions that we don't want to take. And maybe you feel the same. But what I know for certain is that incredible godly character and lives that make a difference are formed on the other side of discipline. That's a little bit of an aside. I don't want to sort of dwell there too much. The main thing I want to talk to you about is if you want to change the world, speak effectively, speak, speak boldly, but we'll get to the but at the end. Um, carrying on with verse one. It says, they, there... In Iconium, southern Turkey, suntan lotions on, on the beach. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. What does that mean? Well, uh, the word effective literally in the dictionary means they were successful in producing a desired outcome. They were successful in producing a desired outcome. They knew what they were saying. They were clear about what they were saying. They were speaking about the message of Jesus and him crucified. That was at the forefront of their mind. It was fixed in their mind. I remember when I did my first job as a vicar, the pulpit was old school. It was wooden. It was carved. It was high up. You always felt quite special when you were there. You know, you had the dog collar on. You were high up in the wooden box. You know, you're looking out at everybody. It was amazing. Those were the days. Bring back the pulpit. That's what I say. Anyway, but the pulpit had encarved within it these words. And they were always a great reminder because I used to stand in front of the pulpit because it was quite high up when we were worshiping, we were singing. And the words would say, we preach Christ crucified. 
And it was always a great reminder that whatever I was sharing this mor- that morning was all about pointing people to the Lord Jesus and to the cross. And that's what we're all about. And Paul and Barnabas embodied this as they traveled around the ancient world. The thing that set them apart was, yes, that they lived consistently, but they had in their mind this one idea. And you don't need to know much in this world to make a difference, but you need to know a few things really, really clearly and, con- and cling to them. And they had this idea in their mind that Jesus had come to this earth to lay down his life so that people could have a relationship with God. And that is what changed the world, what turned the world upside down. That is the effective speaking that it's talking about here. And it was so effective that a great number of both Jewish people and Greeks believed. But we see in verse 2 the response. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So we see that they had this consistency. We see that they spoke effectively. But they divided opinion. And that's always the case. The weird thing is in this room right now, the same thing is happening. We preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, this one idea. And some of you are thinking, rubbish, that's a stupid idea. And some of you are just, I can't quite articulate why, but I'm just drawn to this. And some of you are just like, yes, I lay down my life for this. And probably everything else in between. Because when we speak about Jesus, it divides. And any new idea does. Martin Luther King famously gave his I Have a Dream speech on the steps of Washington, D.C. in 1963, motivated by his faith in Jesus, by the way. He was a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. That's what motivated him. And we look back at that speech now from the vantage point of 2021, and we think everybody must have just turned, you know, changed their behavior overnight when they heard that speech. What a powerful speech it was. People must have just changed their, their thinking and their, and their ways and sort of accepted what he was saying about a world where people are not judged on the color of their skin, but the content of their character. But the interesting thing was that wasn't the case at all. That speech massively divided opinion. Senators spoke out against Martin Luther King. Three years later after the speech, of people had positive feelings towards Martin Luther King, a survey found. So even three years after the speech, people weren't grabbing hold of it and feeling warm towards Martin Luther King. By far, uh, it's definitely the opposite. It wasn't until 1968, after he died, five years later, after he gave that amazing speech, the dream that he had, that people started to listen to it. And that's often the case with the words that we speak. We don't see the impact straight away. I think if we did, we would live very differently. But Martin Luther King and many others like him had this clarity about what they were saying. And they would speak it consistently over and over again, passionately. And many of them didn't see the impact of their work until long after they were dead. And that's the, the thing when we speak effectively and we speak boldly, we don't often see straight away the impact. Words are like that. You might see their impact later. And we see this, I don't know if I, there's a picture, Joe. Did you get the picture? Is it on the screen 
amazing. I saw this picture that sort of articulates this to me. There's something about generational stuff and just how we use our words. And this is a powerful image of how words may have been spoken over us, in this instance, by previous generations. And this Im image gives us that picture of someone breaking the cycle, breaking the cycle and speaking words of life, words of truth. And you might resonate with that here this morning. There may have been words spoken over your life, people saying that you're no good, or that you're, you'll come to nothing, or that you're an idiot, or that you're stupid. And you may have your own kids, or your own people that you influence. And there's an opportunity for each of us to break those generational cycles and to speak life and to speak hope and to speak Jesus and to speak the gospel over those that we have influence over. Words are powerful. And if we want to change the world, we want to be speaking those words of life effectively. We want to be speaking about Jesus effectively. And then as the passage goes on, verse 3, we see also, Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord. So it wasn't just effective speaking, it was bold speaking. And that matters because people can see whether you believe it. I don't know if you ever saw a, a video of Steve Barmer, who was one of the top guys of Microsoft, coming onto the stage when he was introduced once. And he's just like dancing around and shouting and like absolutely pumped to be there. And his opening line of his speech is, I love this company. And it's just like so excited. You can see on the face of Steve Barmer that he absolutely believes in every single word, word that he is speaking about Microsoft. I remember doing this in uh, a communication workshop several years ago, uh, and it was talking about the power of our tone of voice. Because you can see, right, if someone believes what they're saying or not, and you know, they put this video on of Steve Barmer, and he's dancing around the stage going nuts, and he's so pumped to be there, so excited to tell them about some random, probably like Microsoft 95. Remember that? That was like really good, wasn't it? So what a thing to be pumped about, to give your life to. And then he showed like another video of somebody who was like, hey, it's great to be here. I'm so excited about being here this morning. And it's so interesting, like the tone of voice makes such a big difference when it comes to communicating effectively, but also boldly. And that's what I see in this passage. I see them not just speaking effectively. They've got the right answers. They know they've got that one idea, Jesus Christ, him crucified. But I see them speaking boldly. They're excited about it. And when you speak words to those around you, people will pick up whether you believe it or not. When you're speaking about Jesus to your friends at work, if you're just like, yeah, it's all right, you know, I mean service it doesn't go on for ages I mean sometimes before the service the coffee's okay people are going to pick up that you don't really want to be there people are going to pick up that you don't care but if you speak about your faith in Jesus you speak about it with with hope with joy with a smile on your face tell you what people will pick that up people will see something different in you when you speak effectively but when you speak boldly as well and I see that in Paul and Barnabas. They're, they're so passionate. It comes off the pages of the Bible. You know, they stayed later, as it were. They're, people rejected them. I don't know about you, but if people were stirring up a crowd against me to, like, stone me, I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm out. I'm, like, going to go somewhere else. 
you know, further south in Turkey for like better beaches or something like that. I'm going. But they didn't. They stayed. They spoke effectively. They spoke boldly because they really, really believed what they were saying. And you were created to make a difference. I believe that with every ounce of my being, you were created by the maker of heaven and earth to make a difference. And you were placed in a specific location. It might be in university halls. It might be in a workplace. It might be the people that you live next door to. But you're placed there to be a blessing to them, to speak effectively, to speak boldly words of life, to speak the message of Jesus to them, to let them know that there is a God in heaven who created them and loves them. He's not angry with them sitting on a cloud somewhere, just resentful of what they're doing, but longs for them to come and to know him and has made a way through Jesus for them to know him. So if you want to change the world, speak effectively, speak boldly, but, we'll get to the but now, verse three, we'll get to the but, we'll get to the backside, we'll get to the bottom of it. Um, Some of you got it, some of you didn't. It's okay, it's okay. Verse three, Paul and Barnabas spent a considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, that's great, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. And I think that is important because you can have the best arguments in the world. You can know all the answers. You can reason with people. You can know everything. But sometimes something supernatural has to happen. I'll tell you, when I became a Christian, I was 18 years old and I walked into the doors of a church not really knowing anyone or expecting very much to happen. And I heard about this message of Jesus coming to our earth so that we could be in a relationship with God. And it, and it gripped me, and I was intrigued. But it was like, oh, is, is that real? I mean, there's so many religions, so many faiths, there's so many kind of ways that we could live our lives. Is that real? And I remember one time going just back to my room, uh, sort of March, early March 2004, lying down on my bed, nobody else in the room or anything like that and just praying a really simple prayer and just saying, God, if you're there, come into my life. And at that moment, just feeling a feeling that I've never felt to this day again, but a feeling of real deep, deep peace, almost like weightlessness. It was almost like levitating. It was that deeper peace. And and I literally woke up the next day a, a different person. The old Sam had died, the new Sam had come to life. And I, you know, sort of was quite freaked out by it and things like that. I remember telling my mom and she was like, that's weird. Let's have a cigarette. <laughs> um, uh, and, and just being, she's watching, hey mom, love you, love you. We'll have a cigarette later on. Um, so, and just, and just that moment being so incredibly powerful and my whole life changing on that moment, but something supernatural has to happen sometimes. And that's what I love about this passage because they spoke boldly, they spoke effectively, they had the best arguments. And I'm not saying, I'm not poo-pooing that, that's important, but something sometimes supernatural has to happen. A touch of the Holy Spirit can change everything. So as we come into land, I want to give you that opportunity 
we often at the Minster, we have an opportunity for people to come forward and to be prayed for. And that sounds weird. Right now you're thinking, well, that's a bit strange. Um, but we do that because we can have the best arguments in the world. I can stand up here and give you all of the answers. Oh, well, not really. That sounds quite, that sounds quite arrogant. I can't give you all the answers, but I can try and give you all the answers and I can use my best arguments. It's great. It's really important. But sometimes... God just needs to show up and confirm it directly to you. Nothing I can do to make that happen. Thank you so much for listening to the Preston Minster podcast. We'll see you again soon.